Back in 1998, um, I had the incredible privilege of traveling to Israel with several people from Westridge, and uh, part of the joy of that was my dad came down from Michigan and joined us on that trip. We had a, an amazing time, and for many of you that have been there before, you know that it's a life-changing experience. And for me, having you know come from Bible college and seminary and had you know being in ministry for a few years at that time, it was like a bucket list item. It was truly a trip of a lifetime for me. And when people ask me about my experience, I always tell them that I had two moments that had a huge impact on me. Matter of fact, they were were very emotional moments. Um, the, The first one happened when we arrived into the city of Jerusalem. Our team came from the east, from the road that that led from Jericho, and when we got to the very top of the Mount of Olives, all you could see was just the beautiful city. Of, of Jerusalem, and it literally took my breath away. And from the top of the Mount of Olives, you can see a picture of it here. Across the Kidron Valley, you can see the gates of the old city of Jerusalem. You can see the eastern gates where Jesus Christ is going to come back and go through those gates. But right there on the Temple Mount, you see the Dome of the Rock right in the middle. I mean, it's, it's breathtaking. And I had seen pictures before. I'd heard the stories, but not one of them did it justice. It was a moment that I will never forget. However, as great as that moment was for me, I want to tell you something. It did not compare to the moment when I walked into the garden tomb and I saw and looked into the tomb of Jesus and I knew and I saw that it was empty. Now, just to be clear, I wasn't surprised to find it empty. All right, I, I, I've been, it, it's been empty for over 2,000 years. I, I grew up in church hearing all my life about the empty tomb. I heard it from the pastors that I grew up in. I mean, listen, I remember as a young child sitting in Sunday school and seeing it on the flannel graph boards. How many of you remember the flannel graph? I mean, if you saw it on the flannel graph, you knew it was true, all right? And I remember the flannel graph, but I was totally unprepared for how this moment was going to impact me. It totally caught me off guard by how emotional I was going to become. I walked out of the empty tomb with tears flowing down my face and other people in our group had a very similar experience. And to be honest, I had to, I had to pull myself away from the group for just a moment to get myself together. It, it was a mixture of, of emotions that I was not really prepared for. Even though there were tears running down my face, I was overwhelmed at the same time by how much peace I felt while I was in that garden. And it was the end of the day, the sun was coming down. I'm sure that the, the, the folks that were running the garden tomb, were, they were getting ready to close the, the gates. But, but, but our group didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. Matter of fact, I probably walked in and out of that tomb four or five more times. I just kept wanting to look again at the empty tomb and that, that bare rock slab where Jesus' body would have been laid to rest. You see, for me at, at that moment and even More so now, that empty tomb represents so much more than just a place where Jesus' body once laid. You see, that empty tomb along with the empty cross is God's receipt to us telling us that the debt for sin has been paid in full once and for all. The empty tomb is proof that Jesus Christ is unlike no man that has ever lived. He died and was buried and he resurrected from the the dead to prove that he was truly the Son of God. That empty tomb proves that that not only has the sacrifice for sin been accepted by God, but the work of salvation is complete. 
The empty tomb serves as a guarantee that those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be their personal Savior can walk in new life here on earth because he's alive in us and he has given us power to us to walk victoriously in this lifetime. The empty tomb reminds us that Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate judge, will come back to to earth one day and judge the whole world. But I want to tell you something. The empty tomb isn't just a place. It's about a person, a man named Jesus, who went to the cross to pay for every sin that you and I will ever commit and rose three days later from the grave to give us victory over life and victory over sin and victory over death. Come on. I'm a little excited this morning. It's Easter Sunday. It's resurrection. If you can't get excited about this, I probably need to be doing something else, all right? But listen, if we were all standing, if I took all of you to that garden tomb this morning, all of you would be responding probably in a little bit of a different way. But this would be my encouragement to you if we were all standing there together. I would ask you to look again to take another look inside the empty tomb because the empty tomb represents so much more than any of us could ever get our minds around. Listen, if you're here today and you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ, I would say to you, take another look. Because that empty tomb and because Jesus has risen from the dead, I want you to know that there is so much more to grace and so much more to faith and so much power that you haven't even embraced yet. And I would ask you and tell you to take another look at your salvation experience and the one that you're currently experiencing because there's so much more to it because of the empty tomb. I would tell you to look again. If you're a Christian who is, who is, maybe you're struggling this morning with apathy or, or complacency, I would say, look again. Because that empty tomb is, is, is empty, you're, you're missing out on walking in daily resurrection, life, and power. However, because that tomb is empty, there is forgiveness for whatever sin you're struggling with today. If you're a skeptic, you're someone who is looking at it and you're just not quite sure, And if you were standing in that garden with me this morning, I would challenge you to take one more look because Satan has been attacking the idea of the resurrection since the moment it happened. And he may be lying to you and keeping you from experiencing the fullness of life that can only be found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that that every lie that Satan has been not only feeding you but has been feeding the world for over 2,000 years can be completely destroyed with the undeniable truth of God's word but only because the tomb is empty. And finally, if you were with me in that garden tomb this morning and you just couldn't believe, you would say, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm truly, to be honest with you, I, I just cannot believe that a man could rise from the dead. I would say to you that you're not alone. Because millions of people have stood where you are currently standing spiritually. And they've struggled with the idea that a man could truly die and come back to life. I mean, for so many people, for so many years and and centuries, it has been a myth, it's been a fable, it's been nothing more than a big lie. And yet, they decided to take one more look at that empty tomb. They decided to take one more look at the resurrection, one more look at God's free gift of salvation. And when they did, it was like a dark cloud just was just pushed away. And all of a sudden, they had a, an encounter with Jesus and they made a personal decision to put their faith and trust in him alone to be their personal savior. And so this morning, wherever you are spiritually, here's what I wanna ask you to do. I wanna ask you to look again. 
Look again at the empty tomb. Look again at the story of the resurrection. Because when you look again, here's what you'll encounter. You will encounter Jesus. Look again and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again to pay for your sins, to offer you forgiveness and to give you new life that it can only be found in him alone. Well, this morning, I want to take a look at the resurrection story and I want to hone in on the life of one woman who went to the garden tomb on the morning that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And I want to look at how she responded to the empty tomb because I believe that many of you are going to find yourself in her story. The woman's name is Mary Magdalene. And what's so unique about Mary Magdalene's story is that not only was she a close personal friend of Jesus, but but we are first introduced to her in the Bible in Luke chapter 8 verse 2 when Jesus had just cast seven demons out of her life. This will give you a little bit of a glimpse of the kind of people that Jesus chose to hang out with. Later in the Gospels, we see her at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. And then we, are, we, we see that, that she was actually the very first person that Jesus physically appeared to after he rose from the dead. Now, as I jump into this story, I want you to know that all four Gospel accounts tell the story of the resurrection. And they, and they give an account of what took place over 2,000 years ago in the garden tomb. However, each one of them just give it to us from a little bit of a different perspective. So this morning, I want to camp out in the book of John. But I want to lay the writings of Matthew, Mark, and Luke on top of those to give us a more complete picture. In John chapter 20, in verse 1, here's how it starts. This is now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Luke chapter 24 tells us that there were other women at the tomb along with Mary Magdalene. There was a woman by the name of Joanna. There was a, uh, Mary, the mother of James. There was a, another woman by the name of Salome that we find uh, talked about in another writing. And there were, there were some other women as well. And they came to the tomb because they wanted to put burial spices on, on the body of Jesus. And Mark tells us that, that when Jesus died, a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, he asked Pontius Pilate, if he could actually have the body of Jesus. This man, Joseph, owned a tomb in a garden that was right next to where Jesus was crucified. And and Joseph gifted the tomb, I'm assuming, to Jesus' family so that Jesus would have a proper, proper place to be buried. However, because Jesus died on Friday at around 3 o'clock in the afternoon and and the Jewish Sabbath started at 6 o'clock in the afternoon, in the evening, there was just a short amount of time for Joseph to to get Jesus' body down off of of the cross, to possibly clean him up a little bit, to to wrap his body in burial clothes and to put him in a tomb and then to roll a large stone in front of the entrance. There was no time to put the the, the ceremonial spices and the anointing oil on Jesus' body that were used back during this time. However, when Mary Magdalene and the other women came to the tomb with the spices on Sunday morning, they saw that the stone had actually been rolled away. And when they went into the the tomb, they noticed that the body of Jesus was gone. Luke tells us that two angels appear to the women. And the women are so frightened that they fall to the ground. Look what it says in Luke 24 verse 5. It says, as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? Now, remembering that Jesus had told them what was going to happen, Luke tells us 
that these women run immediately to where the 11 disciples were. You say, where was the 12th one? Well, he had already betrayed Jesus. His name was Judas. So there were 11 left. But when the disciples, when the women got there, the Bible says the disciples didn't actually believe the women. They, they thought the women were making the story up. And so Peter and John decide to leave the room and they run to the tomb to take a look for themselves. And I love John's, John's account of this moment. In John chapter 20, verse 3, it says, So Peter went out with the other disciple, which was John, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, this is a funny moment in Scripture to me. Because remember, John's the one telling the story. Both disciples are running to the tomb together, and John says the other disciple, which would have been him, outran Peter and got there first. You can see a little bit of apostolic competition going on here in John's writing. In verse 5 it says, And stooping to look in, John, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. And then Peter, being Peter, who was very impetuous, it says, He came following him and went into the tomb, and when he saw the linen cloth lying there, And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, just to kind of once again rub it in again, he said he also went in and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now, John says that that he looked into the tomb, and when he did, he saw and he believed. Neither guy understood the whole idea of the resurrection before, and and they may have both been a bit skeptical. But the Bible says that they finally believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, just like the Scripture said he would. And then Luke takes Peter's response just a little bit further. He tells us that Peter went home marveling at what happened. Peter and John didn't go back to where the other other disciples were. They actually went home. But then the story takes a very interesting little twist. Mary Magdalene actually goes back to the tomb. And in John verse 20, verse 11, it starts here. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. And one was at the head, one was at the feet. And they said, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he has said these things to her. Now you say, what in the world is going on in this passage of scripture? Well, After everyone left, Mary Magdalene went back to the tomb to look again. Now, why did did she go back and look again at the empty tomb? Because she truly 
did not believe that it was possible for a man to rise from the dead. Even though she had ter- heard Jesus talk about it, even though her friends believed it, even, even, she needed to go back. She needed to go back and to take another look. And when she went back and looked again, what did she encounter? She encountered Jesus. She encountered Jesus. When she saw him, her her disbelief and grief was so strong that she actually thought that Jesus was the gardener. She actually accused him of of taking his body and placing it somewhere else. But all it took, all it took was one word out of the mouth of Jesus and her whole story changed. Jesus simply said to her, Mary. I love that. All she needed was to hear him say her name, and she knew it was him. And her response was memorable. She called him Rabboni, which is a a, a term of endearment and respect that just simply means Lord. And then she reached out and she grabbed onto his feet. And I mean, once she had him, she was not going to let him go again. But Jesus told her, Mary, do not cling to me. Because I haven't yet ascended to my Father in heaven and I need you to let go so that you can go tell the others, my friends, my brothers, that I am actually alive. But Mark actually tells us that the disciples did not believe her when she told them that she had encountered a risen Jesus. But Mary believed. Why? Well, because in her doubt, in her sorrow, in her loneliness, in her fear, in her disbelief, she had the courage to look again. She needed to go back one more time to take a look at the empty tomb. All of us here today can probably find ourselves in one of the characters of this story. Maybe we're like the women who actually went with Mary the very first time. I mean, we've seen it, and we don't need to see it again. We are convinced. We know with all of our heart that Jesus Christ truly rose from the dead. I mean, our faith is is firm and secure. Maybe you're like Peter and John. You're a bit skeptical. We need to see it for ourselves. We need to examine it. But once, once we've looked at it, once we've examined it, I mean, we are all in. We saw and we believed. Or maybe you're like Mary Magdalene. You've seen it, but you're not convinced, and you need to go look again. Let me tell you what I learned about Jesus in this story. What I learned about Jesus is that when you decide to truly look again with an open heart, to put your heart out there, he will not let you down. You will find him. You will encounter Jesus. Here's how Jeremiah says it. I love this. God says in Jeremiah 29, 13, that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And when Mary Magdalene went back to the tomb to seek after Jesus, when she put her whole heart on the line and didn't hold anything back, listen, Jesus didn't let her down. In her grief, in her desperation, in her fear, even in her disbelief, Jesus came to her. I want to challenge every single person, every one of you that are in this room today to take another look at the resurrection. If you're, if you're watching online, I want, to, I want to challenge you to take another look at the resurrection, even if you've heard the story a thousand times in your mind. I want to encourage you to be like Mary Magdalene and take another look at the empty tomb. You say, why? Why, why do I need to take another look? I've been hearing this story for years. Listen, because there's more to the resurrection and the empty tomb than you have probably ever realized. It doesn't matter whether you are a fully devoted, all-in follower of Jesus 
or whether you're someone who is limping along in their faith right now, or maybe you would call yourself a skeptic, or, or maybe you'd just be really honest and say, you know what, I truly do not believe this. We all need to look again. Why? Because the resurrection is a game changer. The resurrection is a life changer. The resurrection actually answers several questions that we all struggle with in our lives. One of those questions is simply the question of doubt. We all have moments of doubt. Bad things happen in all of our lives. Every single one of us, we go through pain, we go through tough circumstances. Without the empty tomb, the resurrection, our our doubt would become reality. Without the empty tomb, Christianity is nothing more than a lie and life is hopeless. But because the tomb is empty, we have hope for tomorrow. Our doubts and our fears can be erased from our minds because Jesus conquered death. Listen, when he, when he appeared, after he appeared to Mary Magdalene, he appeared to over 500 other people. And since that time, millions of lives have been changed as a result. Emperors and kings have tried to erase the truth of the resurrection from history, but not one of them has been successful. False religions have tried to eradicate the story of the empty tomb from the whole story of the Bible, but every single one of them have failed. See, when we look at the, empty, the evidence of the empty tomb, all doubts about Jesus can be erased from our mind. The second question that gets answered is simply the question of loneliness. I mean, how many times have you looked at your life and thought, listen, does, does anybody really actually care about me? Do, do I really matter to anyone? Do, do I really actually even matter to God? The resurrection and the empty tomb are proof that you matter deeply to God. He sent his son Jesus to give life as a payment for your sins and then rose again to demonstrate how, just, how important you are to him. When we look at the empty tomb, that we, we realize that he can meet our deepest need, which is, a re, which is a relationship with him. Why? Because he's alive. Another question is simply the question of weakness. And so many of you are here today and you, you are feeling weak for whatever reason. Maybe you're just feeling weak because of, the, of a struggle with sin that you've just been, has been going on in your life for so long. And you're wondering in your heart, how in the world can I break free from this bondage? Will I ever have the power to change my life? Listen, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, the same power that conquered the grave lives inside of you today. If you haven't received Jesus Christ and God's gift of salvation through Christ, that power is available to you right now at this very moment. Jesus can transform and radically change your life just like he did the lives of the people in this story, just like he did Peter's life and John's life and Mary Magdalene and the women that are in this story. An encounter with a living Christ can give you strength and confidence like you've never experienced before. So my encouragement to you today is look again. And then the resurrection answers the question of guilt. You may be asking, how can I get rid of all of the guilt for all of the mistakes that I've made in my life? How can I continue to, I mean, how can I get free from, it seems like I'm just dragging this bag full of sin and mistakes and just mess ups. I just, like I just drag it along with me and all I seem to do is just struggle with guilt and shame from my past. There's no way that what Jesus did for me could be enough. Listen, I've got good news for you today. 
The resurrection is final proof that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus as payment for your sin. And on Good Friday, all of your sins were nailed to the cross when Jesus gave his life for you. His sacrifice was enough for your sins. But I want you to know something. On Easter Sunday morning, the guilt and shame of those sins were erased and removed from your life once and for all. That's good news. That's good news. That's why I wept. That's why I wept when I stood at that garden tomb in 1998. Because looking inside that empty tomb, it just proved to me that the guilt and shame of all of my sin, all of the stuff that I did in college, all of the stuff that I did before then and after then, and everything that I would do in the future could be erased once and for all. Some of you this morning, you are carrying around a lot, just a, it seems like a whole ton of guilt and shame. Listen, it's time to look again. The empty cross and the empty tomb is God's receipt to you, telling you that the debt for sin has been paid in full once and for all. And then finally, maybe the most important question of all, the resurrection answers the question of death. So many of you, all of us actually, have had this one burning question in our life at some point or another. What will happen to me when I die? Listen, Because of the resurrection and the empty tomb, you can know without a bit of doubt that there is life beyond the grave. Listen, it's just not, it's not just a theory. It's not just an old wives tale. It's a proven reality. Because Jesus is alive, the Bible tells us that death will never have the last word over your life. There is hope found beyond this life. There is a place called heaven that is available to every single person that will call upon the name of Jesus to be saved from their sins. So let me ask every one of you this morning, will you look again? Will you take one more look at the empty tomb? For those of you that are devoted followers of Jesus Christ, listen, I just want you to know there is more grace. There is more depth to your faith. There is more depth to the power that God has given you. There's more depth to your salvation experience than you could have ever, ever, ever imagined because the tomb is empty. Struggling Christian, I want you to know there's forgiveness for you this morning. There's a fresh start. Some of you haven't been in church since last Easter. And this past year has been a tough year for you. You have wrestled and struggled with sin. You have literally just walked. It's like God never left you, but you've been walking away from him. This morning is an opportunity for you to come back. There is new hope for your life because Jesus conquered the grave. What do I do? Just come back and say, God, I'm sorry. Repent of your sins and receive a fresh start. Skeptic, if you need more proof of the resurrection, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Ask Jesus to change your life. Open your heart up to him in a way that you've never done before. Turn to him now. Like Mary Magdalene, I want you to know that when you seek after him, you will find him. He will not let you down. And for those of you that would be honest this morning and simply classify yourself as an unbeliever, a person that simply doesn't believe, I want to plead with you this morning to take one more look. When Peter and John ran out of that empty tomb, John says he looked into the empty tomb and here's what happened. He saw and he believed. John saw that the the, the tomb was empty and when he did, it was like a light came on and he came to this conclusion. He believed. And there are some of you that are in here today and you would say, 
as of right now, when I walk into this room and even maybe at this moment, I am an unbeliever. But I'm taking another look. As a matter of fact, I've actually taken a look. And right now, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone because, listen, there's something going on inside of me that I can't even explain. It's like, I've heard this story before, but there is a tugging in my heart. Can I tell you, it's the Holy Spirit inviting you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, giving you an opportunity to accept God's gift of salvation, to, to, to providing you forgiveness once and for all. Don't miss out on this opportunity, please. God's brought you into this room. I know some of you are thinking, no, I, no, I, got, I got dragged into this room. It's no mistake that you're here. God knew you were going to be here. And he's tugging on your heart. And lovingly, he's offering you salvation. He's offering you hope for this life and more hope than you can ever imagine for the next life. And I want to... I want to just give you that opportunity right now to go from being an unbeliever to being a believer, to being away from God to being a child of God. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? If that's where you are in your life right now, maybe you say, you know what, I'm a skeptic, but I'm lost. Or Brian, I'm being honest with you, I'm an unbeliever. I, I as of up to this moment... I would say that I have never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have never received forgiveness of my sins. I've been lost. Would you pray with me right now? Just say, Father, at this very moment, I want you to know that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I take every bit of faith that I have and I put it in Christ alone. I thank you for this gift that I don't deserve, this gift called grace. And I come to you by faith right now and I ask you, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? I repent of my sin, the sin of unbelief. And Lord, in the best way that I know how, I put every bit of faith and every bit of trust that I have in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross to be payment for my sins. Lord, what you did was enough. And I wanna thank you for an empty cross and an empty grave because you live I have a new life. With heads still bowed, if you just prayed that with me, if you have gone from being an unbeliever to being a believer, from being lost to being found, would you just, I'm not gonna have you stand up or run down an aisle, would you, but would you just slip your hand up quickly just so I can pray for you? Just put it up, put it down real quick. All over the auditorium, would you just slip your hand up? If you just prayed that prayer with me. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Now, everybody look at me for a moment. For those of you that just raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed with me, would you take out your Get Connected card that we handed you as you walked through the door? Would you fill it out for us? And would you check the box that says, today I pray to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior? Here's what we're gonna do. We wanna follow up with you and help you to take your next step in walking with Jesus Christ. Listen, it's a journey. But you just made the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. You just became a follower of Jesus Christ. You just became a Christian. You might have heard the words born again before or saved. That's what just happened in your life. And we want to celebrate that with you and help you to take your next step. Back in 1969, I was four years old and there was a lady by the name of Gloria Gaither that wrote a song. She wrote this song out of despair. 
she had, she was pregnant with, I believe, their third child. Her husband, Bill, had mono. The Vietnam War was going on in America. She was afraid to bring another child into the world. It was a very uncertain time in our country. The world was very uncertain. It was a, it was a shaky time, the late 60s, for those of you who were alive and might remember that. You know what? It's a shaky time in America right now. It's a shaky time in the world. And the words that she penned, because he lives, were so true back then, but my goodness, they're true right now. I don't know about you, I grew up with the Gaithers. Some of you grew up with Led Zeppelin and ACDC. I grew up with the Gaithers, all right? I didn't discover those other bands till college, but this song takes me back to growing up in church and I remember it like, I was, like it was yesterday. This song not only playing in our church, but playing in the house that I grew up in. It's just very simple. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives.